two and a half games in. What have you learned about from the game specifically? Oh, it's just been a good chance for guys to get back into it and back into the rhythm after for majority of the guys to have have a month off and and lay pretty low in terms of cricket skills. It's that's probably it's probably been uh, a little bit slower getting back into it. We we obviously finished off really well in Dubai um, on the back of a couple of really good months of cricket there. So guys were pretty cooked. They were pretty fatigued. So they they deserve that break. So now it's just about time on legs and and making sure that we're getting back into the into the rhythm, doing the basics really well with with what made us successful over them last two series. So probably probably a little bit of rust still around, which is which is understandable, but. A couple of hard training days, three really good hit-outs against New Zealand and then three warm-up games in the UK. Pretty sure we'll be ready to hit the ground running there. That was Aaron Finch talking at the training camp in Brisbane and you are listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and I've got here Ben Horn. Ben, how are you? Good, thanks, Menace. Thanks for having us here. Welcome back. And I've got Pete Lawler. Pete, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you for asking. Yes. So it's great to uh, have Pete in because this is Pete's farewell show. He's flying over to cover the World Cup in the Ashes. So I guess we're only going to speak to each other via telecommunication devices for the next five months, Pete. Ship to shore radio it will be, Andrew, because, yeah, my the cruise, my cruise ship leaves on Wednesday <laughs> for England. Six yeah. weeks? Six, six weeks, weeks over? Yeah. That's it, yep. Um, oh, we're really going to miss you here, Pete. Yeah, this is a good chance to have a chat about the summer ahead. I am still buzzing because I got up at 5.30 this morning to watch the IPL final. It was over by then. I, I recorded it and then watched the replay this morning. Oh, I watched it live. You watched it live? Yeah. What great last over. What a game. Shane Watson, so close. He's a final specialist, isn't he? What do you make in the end? 80. Off 59 or something. Yeah. yeah and, and it uh, went down to the last ball. Yeah, Thriller. he got run out, didn't he? It was, it was in the last... Yeah. And that last over by the Wang the Wang merchant. Malinga. Yeah, that's The him. slinger. Yeah. yeah. My brain's dead because I watched it live. Um, yeah, but fantastic finish. Yeah, great Gee, that, game. Well, wouldn't the BBL like stars like Shane Watson playing for it? But anyway, we might talk about that later. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, all of that later on. We've got the cricket headlines coming up. This is actually show number 88 of Cricket Unfiltered. And I feel slightly guilty because the last show, the special guest was Manus Lobashane. And I wouldn't want to normally get an Australian test batsman on show 87. So I hope he doesn't have any bad luck in his career coming up. But we've dodged a bullet. <laughs> Benny, the world is going mad. You're staying here to cover the AFL this winter, and uh, Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun in Melbourne is going over to cover the cricket. So the world sort of reversed. But Pete Lawler, you just have to be very uh, attuned to the AFL talk before every press conference, because I guarantee there's going to be a lot of footy talk while the cricket's going on. How many Victorians are over there? In the team, Maxie's in the team, isn't he? Yeah, and the West Australians are into it, the South Australians. Uh, Pat Cummins is a Swans fan. I just feel sorry for all the rugby league true believers that are in the team because I've probably been the one sort of bastion of (laughs) (laughs) rugby league with. And now it's just, I mean, Pete's going to love the footy Uh, talk. You can see the balance of power in in the team and how many Victorians are in there and how much sway they have by how they warm up. But pretty generally these days, it's only Aussie rules, isn't it? It's the Sharons that get broken out. Yeah, most of the time, yeah. But there was, uh, even under Justin Langer, who's obviously, you know, he's on the West Coast board, but I think the team might have lost their Sharon and that they were actually kicking a rugby league or, or a rugby ball in Perth last year. So I thought that that was possibly a um 
good sign, but I, I don't think so. AFL's taking over our cricket team. Aussie rules. I'm yeah. telling you, Sam Landsberger has this <laughs> tactic. He's going to try and butter up the Aussie cricketers with AFL talk and then throw the hard questions at him. It's a good Whatever tactic. Works. It's a good Whatever tactic. works. I use my good looks. But if Sam has to rely on his football knowledge, that's fine. All right, so I'm quite attractive to young male cricketers. <laughs> you are? Yeah, it's probably hard to tell on a podcast. But uh, Yeah, well, I saw you on the ABC Offsiders show yesterday, Pete, looking very dapper. Um, oh, that's funny. My daughter just rang and said I look sick. <laughs> nice of uh, Lucy to say that. No, in that young people's way, sick means cool, I think. Uh, well, in today's show, uh, we've got all the news coming out of the World Cup cricket camp. We're going to go through Pete's tour of England, also Australia's World Cup tour. And then we've Which got, one is it? It's a bit of both. Oh, right. I think, yeah. yeah, I think they organised the World Cup first. but uh, And then we've got the cricket headlines and finally just go through some listener reviews and also the competition for this podcast in the Australian Podcast Awards, which are this Saturday night. So uh, yeah, Heading, that's heading down for that, Menace? Well, it's in Sydney, so oh, I'm right. heading to the Seymour Centre in Sydney, which mm. is ironically where I made my professional theatrical debut many years ago. Hey, so, what? Yeah, I was, a, I was a prince in a Shakespeare play when I was a young man. Prince Hamlet? No, it was uh, The Winter's Tale, and I was Prince Mamilius. Anyway, <laughs> now I'm into podcasting. Well, let's, let's start up in Brisbane with the World Cup camp. The Australian team is probably, are they still in Gallipoli or they're probably left Gallipoli heading to England now? They were spending four days there. So, yeah, they are still there. Yeah, Yeah, they're actually still there. Yep. Yep. And uh, Pete Lawler wrote in the Australian that it's uh, the Aussies are off on a 132 day crusade with two holy grails. Good line, that, isn't it? Mm, Very good line. Did you write it? Yeah. The editor thought so. So, let's um, just go through some hot takes from the warm up camp. What did you, well, Pete, you were there. What did you think of Smith and Warner's reintroduction? Oh, well, I was very relieved to see Steve Smith make those 80s and 90s in his last two innings. He's back. He's not completely back, but uh, there'd been a concern. Like, I, I reckon the jury was out on Steve and where he was at in cricket. I mean, partially because of his elbow, but also because of his head. As we all know, Steve Smith fell further than anybody in that whole thing that went on. His, and he's taken longer to find his feet. David Warner went straight back to great cricket and made hundreds. Stephen didn't because I don't reckon his head was in the right place. But now it all seems to be coming together at the right time for Steve Smith. So that, that's my big takeaway. The reception for Smith was very warm and similar for Warner. And I think that's good. But they're not going to get much like that in England in the next four months, are they? Mm. Uh, no, the, the English are waiting, as I said the other day, with baseball bats and they're they're hammered waiting. nails in them too. You know, rusty nails. They've got, they put that image of... David Warner is a cheat out uh, the, the Barmy Army did. The sandpaper Im- images yeah. on those Ryan Pierce sort of yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> boy band photos of cricketers that he does. Yeah, there was that. And I mean, I don't, did we speak about this in the last podcast about the Wisden Almanac editorial? No, but you, I heard you speaking about it. Yeah, somewhere. absolutely tore Australian cricket a new one. I mean, Lawrence Booth has had a bit of a... Um, grudge against Australian cricket for a while and he laid out his case there and it's pretty hard to argue against it in some ways but gee, gee it was a rough editorial for the Wisden Almanac read like it was written by a guy from the Daily Mail actually <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was an in joke Lawrence is a, a cricket writer for the Daily Mail when he's not uh, putting on his tweed jacket and editing the Wisden Almanac <laughs> I, can't, I read bits of that editorial it's hard to argue with it I mean you know just sort of it actually seemed to say the review was a bit of a cover-up. Well, I mean, in some ways, I think it 
it was, but um, I mean, certainly you couldn't say that it was a all-encompassing review. Put it that way, I think there was a few corners that they didn't want to uh, delve into. So I think from that point of view, it's it's probably um, fair enough observation, and in some ways, it's why it's taken so long for the public to get over it if they are even over it yet because I think a lot of people feel like they haven't been told the full story. Yeah, Benny, do you think the training camp was a success in Brisbane? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, three practice games against a New Zealand, under-strength New Zealand team. I think it, it was just important to get Warner and Smith back actually playing. I mean, it's all well and good to have them back in the fold and, you know, meetings and things like that. But, you know, it's important to get actual matches under their belt and fit them back into the side. So that was important. But, I mean, it was really just a training run, I guess. Yeah, the Jai Richardson injury is major blow, I think. Particularly, I'm surprised personally that they didn't call Hazelwood in after that. I think just looking at the bowling lineup now, to me, it looks slightly on the thin side. I think, um, you know, Hazelwood, if he was fit, which it seemed like he was because he was bowling in the nets up there, I would have, I would have brought him in. Yeah, the second line of the bowling attack doesn't look great, does it? It falls away a fair bit. That's mm. an issue, isn't it? And back on the Smith Warner thing, it was interesting to note. Uh, was it Maxie that said it that they they've barely spoken in team meetings yet? Mm. They're still feeling their way, mm. so it was important to get them back in, wasn't it? Was Warner yeah. booed at all, Pete? That you heard? No, not that I heard. No. That's good. Did you hear that? No, I was just no, asking, no. I was just no, wondering no, fact, if because uh, no, you know, it only, you know, only takes a few. Idiots in a crowd to start something up. So I, I don't think there was many people there, but um, there's a thousand, what fourteen hundred or something for the first game, mm-hmm. and the sort of people who go to that are cricket fans, aren't they, fanatics? True. Yeah. I mean, as soon as Warner starts hitting fours and sixes, they'll be cheering along. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Jai Richardson. I think it is a big blow to lose him, but it's interesting they brought in Kane Richardson because. You know, you look at our bowling lineup. We have really good, strong new ball bowlers with Cummins and Berendorf and Stark and Nathan Coulton-Isle. But Kane Richardson is that specialist bowling in the last 10 overs and using his variations. So maybe that sort of plugs a little uh, gap in the in the bowling lineup, you know, in that last 10 overs. Do you think like the sort of role that Faulkner used to play in the team with his change-up bowling? Yeah, and the, yeah. the role they were looking at Ty last year. Yeah, I sort of get all that. I mean, he's obviously a very good bowler, but Australia is always, you know, Australia's dominated World Cups like no other team has. And I think part of their strategy has always been, you know, that heavy duty players win World Cups. It's why they were so keen to get Warner and Smith back in, because as well as some of the other guys had done, the World Cup is another level of pressure and expectation. And um, that's why I'm surprised Hazelwood's not there, because he might be a bit underdone, all that sort of thing. But... If you were picking your attack for the World Cup final and your last spot was between Hazelwood, Kane Richardson, Jason Berendorf and Nathan Coulson-Isle, all things being equal, I'm pretty sure I know which, which one I'd be choosing. Well, the Australians chose Hazelwood, didn't they, at the back end of the last World Cup? Mm. You know, And I know Lehman was a big fan of the way he bowled. He didn't get a lot of pop wickets, but uh, he, he, he bowled a, a good sort of supporting role. And he was the leading wicket-taker for Australia at the Champions Trophy in England two years ago, which... Australia bombed out in, but it's the same conditions. Yeah, so that that is a big call then mm. to leave Hazelwood out. It seems like Sean Marsh is uh, the favourite to be that spare batsman now in the, the top order. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Usman Khawaja deserves to be in the starting side as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's been, he's been excellent, you know, and Sean Marsh was excellent, I suppose, in the block of time before that. But 
be a tough call to leave Kawadri out of the first side, I think, and he's probably going to have to make it work at number three. I'm, I'd be surprised if they didn't go with David Warner as an opener, and I think it'd be the wrong decision if they didn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But yeah, and Sean Marsh is, you know, it's 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 a good selection from that point of view. For mine, the biggest weakness in the team is um, is not Marcus Stoinis himself, but that position where if Marcus Stoinis got injured, minor injury, or he fell out of form, uh, there is no plan B. And I think if, if something happens with Stoinis, they, the team's really going to lack versatility. Yeah, who who would they call in? I mean, Mitch Marsh is one, but then there's the Australia A squad that they'd look oh, at. I'm not talking so much. If, if he gets a bad injury, they'll just replace him with Mitchell Marsh. That's not so much a problem. I'm saying in tournament... If he's out of form, I mean, in the last World Cup, they dropped Shane Watson halfway through the tournament, but they had Mitchell Marsh to come in. If Marcus Stoinis is struggling, which he has been recently, they can only replace him with a batsman. That's true, so they lose that bowling option. Another thing uh, that came out of the training camp was uh, Glenn Maxwell was asked about comments made by James Anderson on the Tailenders podcast about Maxwell's relationship with Langer. Now... I may have had a hand in these comments coming to the surface because I heard them on the Tail Enders podcast and wrote an article about it, which was picked up by a few people at News Limited. Uh, well, did you ask Maxie about that, Pete, or were you there when he was asked? Uh, I, yeah, I broke the news to him. Yeah, yeah so via you, obviously, but he, he hadn't heard it. He wasn't fussed. I think they can see right through Anderson. You know, it's Anderson just trying to wind something up a little bit, and like, Maxie gets on all right with Anderson. I mean... Mm. He's a prickly character, Anderson. He hasn't always got on well with members of the Australian team. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but when I heard Anderson say those comments on his podcast, he was asked a, a serious question by his co-host of why do you think Glenn Maxwell hasn't played more test cricket? And I think Anderson's answer was not necessarily trying to stir. His perception was, though, that you know, Langer and Maxwell are very different characters, which is probably fair enough. Well, it has less, in a way, it has less to do with Langer and more to do with um, Darren Lehman and Steve Smith and those who were running the team beforehand. I mean, hmm. how many, like Maxwell's missed out on a tour of the UAE under Langer, but how many series has he missed before that under the old regime? That's right. Yeah, he had his cards marked. And, and, and his line is that I get along better with Langer than I did with Buff, and people would have thought that Buff and I were the same sorts of guys, but it's it's that's not true. Uh, but he and Langer, ha- there was definitely a process of feeling each other out. It didn't start well. Langer had. There's no doubt that Langer ha- that Maxwell had his cards marked when Langer came in. Langer wasn't his biggest fan, but I think he's won him round. Mm. He's an extraordinary cricketer. Ben, I reckon you think you were saying to me that you think that Maxie might be the player of the tournament, were you? Well, I'll certainly claim it if uh, if he ends up that way. Oh, look, I I think that he's probably Australia's most important player in a, mm. in, in some respects. But um, yeah, I, that might have been someone else who said that. But I do think that you know he played a key role in the last World Cup. I mean, his he's, strike rate in the last World Cup was 182, and Australia's going to need someone like that in the last 10, 15 overs when we're batting. Otherwise, yeah. we're not going to score enough runs. Yeah, well, England signalled that a couple of days ago, didn't they, in that uh, ODI they played where they, they scored th- 360 or something again. Yeah. Hell for leather, that butler batting. They really want to go big. So you need, if, if they do go big against you, the only way you catch them is with a maxi-type yeah. innings, isn't it? Well, I think one of the big you know overhauls that, the, that Langer and the team management have made over the last couple of months when Australia's gone on this run of form 
is using Maxwell in the correct way, which is even if he is listed to come in at six, he's coming in based on the situation that's required. He is he is the man that you use to tailor to the situation of the game rather than, you know, he was sort of pigeonholed there for a while. as like, you know, he should be batting number seven. That's where we want him. Whereas in India and the UAE, he was sort of popping up when, when it was most needed. And, you know, it, it shows the value that he has. It seems to be in the last 20 overs that he seems to come out, last 15 to 20 overs. Yeah. Or if, yeah, if Warner and Finch had got off to a flying start and had batted, you know, 20 overs or something like that, then Maxwell might come back in next continue. just to continue the, the role. Hmm. All right, let's now run through Australia's World Cup schedule and Pete Lawler's tour of England. So Australia's uh, World Cup starts in Bristol. You can catch up with that nightclub, Ben Stokes. Is, um... Oh, that's right. That was there, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So Australia... It's also the scene of when Mickey Arthur got... Sacked. Sacked. Did he? Yeah. Were you on that tour, Benny? Yep, I was there. Broke the news, didn't you? Uh, second or third. <laughs> um, <laughs> Near enough. So Australia plays Afghanistan in their opening game. They have a player, has Ratula Zazai, who scored 162 not out in 62 balls in a T20 game, I think uh, earlier this year. So they're a little bit of a danger team. I think Afghanistan, if, if the conditions suit... They could make us nervous with our inability to play good spin bowling. Yeah, and um, the I guess that's where it gets interesting with the top order, isn't it? If Warner and – here's a scenario. If Warner and Finch bat for 15 overs, get off to a good start, but not necessarily game over start, then you've got um, Usman Khawaja coming in um, against spin, trying to start, and then you know, a, guy, a guy like Stoinis who gets a lot of dot balls underneath him. Yeah, I mean – I think they're, they are a bit of a danger team from that point of view. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, Afghanistan are a bit of a banana skin game. And I guess if Australia loses against Afghanistan, then it sort of the pressure will mount. And then Australia heads to Robin Hood territory uh, to play the West Indies on Thursday the 6th of June in Nottingham at Trent Bridge. And uh, the West Indies are back. One thing I thought about on the weekend is we've been sort of as cricket fans waiting for the West Indies to come back. Well, they're back. They beat England at home in a test series. They're in the World Cup and they have a, a strong team. So, yeah, I think they're, they, they're a danger team. Didn't they suffer an embarrassing loss the other day to someone? I don't think so. Well, you can, you can losing to Bangladesh <laughs> is not embarrassing. <laughs> it was a Bangladesh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the Windies, Windies go well. But, Sunil um, Ambris, who's averaging over 100 in ODI cricket, can't even make the windy squad. Nottingham's a great place, isn't it, Pete? <laughs> Good place to go watch cricket. Best ground fun. in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I enjoy I it. I saw there. my yeah. first test in England there in 1993, uh, Australia v England in the Ashes, and had dinner with Craig McDermott just before he flew home with an injury. He was very down about leaving the Ashes. Injured himself at dinner with you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I think that was his punishment, having to have dinner. With us, all ben right. was still at school then. Ninety nine, were you? Primary school, still, probably. Uh, Ninety three, first, first year of high school. Yeah, I was in high school as well. Right. So then Australia will hopefully be two up, beating Afghanistan, beat the West Indies, and then it really heats up. Australia plays India Sunday, 9th of June at the Oval. Mm. Now I was at the last World Cup game played between Australia 
and India at the Oval in 1999. And I remember Sashin was out in the first over. I literally hadn't sat down. Like I was walking to my seat, looked up and McGrath got him. Everything went silent. Yeah, they're a good team. And I tell you what, Aaron Finch will be thinking about those opening bowlers. They're inside his head. Boomerah, yeah, he's got him, hasn't he? I, I think India's uh, arguably the favourites for the tournament. I think they should yeah. be anyway. But them and England, only... wouldn't you think? You're, yeah. you're putting them ahead of England? Well, yeah, I mean, England, they seem to have righted the ship. Like, there was a couple of little dramas going on there with mm. Alex Hales and Archer. Are they going to pick Archer? Yeah, they'll get him in there, won't they? Mm. Yeah, I, I like India more than England because I, I reckon England are a one-gear side. They've only got one pace, and that's mm. just flat out. Mm. I don't... I don't rec- I don't feel like they have a plan B. Mm. I may have underestimated them, but that's what they look like to me. And, uh, yeah, we should have Pant is going to be missed. Did you see the footage? Um, I, I don't know whether it was overnight or the night before of a um, bit of work being done to the ball from one of the England bowlers. Yeah, I did. Wonder see if that. that'll make the Wisden Almanac next year. There was a fair bit of stuff <laughs> off the side of that. I'm not saying it was uh, his doing, but did you see the close-up of the ball as it was whizzing down the wicket? It looked it, like it had been chewed by a dog or something. It was one of the roughest balls yeah. I've seen for a long Shahida time, Freedy wasn't it? eating tactics. I yeah. think India's weakness will be if they have to bat first in a lot of 10.30 a.m. starts and they, they encounter the swinging ball. That's where India's probably vulnerable. If the wickets are dry, then they should be really good. Yeah. Indians aren't good in the morning, are they? They're not morning people. <laughs> then from the Oval, Australia heads to where my ancestors are from, Taunton, to play against Pakistan. That's Wednesday, 12th of June. Australia should win this one. I think you look at the Pakistan squad, and they are they are hard to pick, but I do think they're not quite strong enough. Well, based on the recent series, you'd say so, but they do have a few players coming back from that, don't they, who didn't play against mm. Australia recently. Um, yeah, they are unpredictable, and they won the last the Champions Trophy that was there, which was unbelievable result, and just shows you know what they are capable of. <laughs> unbelievable because I had uh, drinks with Mickey Arthur at the start of the tournament. And he thought they were no hope. I think <laughs> he, was, he wasn't yeah. expecting much from them at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they've got Shadab, Shadab Khan, Shaheen Afridi, Imam Al Haq. Safrez Ahmed is the captain. He's a character. I like watching him play cricket. Uh, an ex-Pakistani player made some news over the last week, Shahid Afridi. So I don't know if you heard the news. His real age came out, so he's a lot older than we originally thought. Did you hear that? How Pete? old is he? I think he was like five or six years older than we were told when he made his debut for Pakistan. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't really deep dive on it. Was, did that mean that he was 24 when he was playing in the 19 yeah, World Cup? 16. Under-19s World Cup and uh, yeah. stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Mickey and didn't also, say that. I just want to clear something up. Mickey didn't say there were no hope, but he wasn't very confident about their success uh, chances. Yeah. Lawless set the record straight. Yeah. Yeah, so... Sorry, Mick. Remember when Shahid Dafridi made that you know, 100 off 30-odd balls when he was 16? Well, he was closer to 20, or over 20, and he's also uh, written a book, and in the book he said that he will not allow his daughters to play sport in public. Yeah. That's kind of depressing, but yeah. It is it's depressing. Not su- it's not surprising if you've travelled around Pakistan. It's anyway, not a very good spot to be a woman. Mm. Shahid Afridi well, keeps giving. you like the indoors, it is. But. It's just very strange when you're a professional cricketer and you wouldn't let your daughters play cricket in public. All right, from there, Australia and Pete Law. Are you going to be on the bus with the Aussies or will they keep you separate? Will they have like a. <laughs> they won't need to keep In him. what universe? I've never been on a team bus in my <laughs> life. <laughs> 
Will they have a press junket bus or will it just be find your way around the I UK? do my own stunts, mate. I'm okay, an independent good. reporter. You won't I be with Sam Landsberger no. in the back of a combi. No, 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 we don't get that close to the team. Okay. No. Well, Sam's not in the team, but anyway. Um, Saturday, 15th of June at the Oval, Australia plays Sri Lanka. I would say an outsider, definitely in this tournament. Lashith Malinga's still there. Angelo Matthews is back. He was injured when Sri Lanka toured here over the summer. Yeah, they're, they're the real team that no one's tipping Sri Lanka. I haven't heard one person say they have a chance. Yeah, I, I don't think they do. Then you know they've obviously pulled off that great result in Test cricket against South Africa, but they're not a limited overs team at the moment. I think they'll be making up no, the numbers. No, they're a limited team. I think you'll find. <laughs> All right, who do they got and after that? From the Oval, Australia heads to back to Trent Bridge. You can't get enough time in Trent Bridge you if cannot. you're in England. No. You can head to Sherwood Forest and have a good time there. Uh, I don't know. There's that sort of million year old pub or whatever the. Um, the Crusaders pub. Yeah. Carved in <laughs> under a rock, under a castle. What's that called? Ye olde trip to Jerusalem. So Australia yeah. play Bangladesh in Trent Bridge and it's really good batting lineup from Bangladesh, but I'm worried about their bowling. This is Bangladesh? Yeah. You wouldn't think it would be the conditions for them to really show their best wares. So, yeah, look, man, as you'd know much more about their side than, mm. than I do, but um, and particularly by that stage of the tournament, I think Australia, you would hope, would be in some kind of... Uh, rhythm by then. Um, those two games at the start of the tournament against Afghanistan and the West Indies, I think, is probably more where the trouble's going to come for Australia against those the, the lesser sides. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then from Trent Bridge, Pete just jumps on the highway and heads down to London, and Australia plays England on Tuesday, 25th of June at Lords. Huge game, probably an elimination game for England, I would think, that if they lose that game, they'll probably be out of the tournament. Well, they play England in a warm-up match, don't they, ahead of the tournament? Yeah. Yeah. They play England and Sri Lanka at... um, Southampton. Southampton. That'll be... I reckon the first game against England is probably going to be more interesting than the first games of the tournament. Have you been to Southampton? (laughs) No. The press box is literally in a hotel. Like, it's at the Hilton Hotel is... Here, and yeah. you basically just get a get a room key and go into one of the rooms, and that's a press box. Fantastic. You've covered it, you cover it in your dressing bed. gown, can you? Well, I think Warnie might have done that in, in your a couple robe. of occasions, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's sort of bizarre, but... Um, so mm. th- I, but that, I, mean, I reckon that warm-up game against England will, will be fascinating if England field a, a full side, because I reckon you get a measure of where Australia's at. I mean, 12 months ago... Could not get near them in five straight games. You know, they just got there. Yeah, I mean, it is a warm-up game, but at that point, you would think it's a warm-up game where the teams will be... Hell for leather. Thrown. Yeah, yeah, and they'll try and land a punch, mm. I reckon. Yeah, they'll mm. want to get a psychological advantage over yeah. the other team. Alex Hales chucked out of the uh, English squad after a uh, long-time listener to this podcast, Ali Martin, and he was a guest a few weeks ago, broke a story that Hales was out for a, a drug infringement. I think it's very strange that they're saying in England they would have picked him had the story not broken. So isn't that unfair? Well, it seems to be a kind of absurd way of approaching a punishment, I would have thought, but it's a strange one. I think that it's probably the right decision based on his prior form. I mean, I think he got underpunished for the... What, is that on-field form or off-field form? Off-field form, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the incident with uh, in, in Bristol, which you alluded to, earlier to me he he got out pretty lightly with that one yeah i mean at what point are you going to pull your head in and um (laughs) 
I don't know, be, be part of the team. I mean, I realise that... Um, well, we don't know what drugs he took or the level of it. Yeah, and I realise that it's something that's more... Could have just been something little. Disparate, are you saying? Well, I don't know, inhaled something. Yeah, but or... how, how stupid have you got to be if you're an elite cricketer to take drugs? Because you get drug tested. Well, that, yeah, you but... Know, it's, a, it's a really dumb decision. It is dumb, but he... W- the, 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 yeah, I've got seems, nothing against people taking drugs. That's fine. Do what you want. It just seems weird that, you know, the just, story... He's a dumb bloke. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Well, well I think this is his second thing. infringement yeah. drug-related, isn't it? So, it's yeah, it's not the first time it's happened. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a ridiculous way of approaching right. it to say we're only going to punish you if this becomes public. Yeah, I just can't get that. So, I think he's, uh, he's probably... Feels hard done by, and England are falling apart. I mean, that's the first crack. Let's hope uh, <laughs> many more to come. Uh, so, from Lords England, uh, you'll like this. You don't have to travel anywhere this week, Pete, because yeah. Australia play New Zealand on Saturday, the 29th of June at Lords. New Zealand always lift against Australia in World Cups, and this will be no different. I don't reckon they're as good a team as they were in the 2015 World Cup. Is Grant Elliott been taken out of the freezer to come back for this <laughs> World Cup? Mm, Brendan McCullum no. hobbles in. Yeah. And then Australia's final group game is at Old Trafford, Saturday the 6th of July against South Africa. And wouldn't it be something if it was a knockout game, a repeat of Australia's two knockout games against South Africa in 1999 at Headingley and Edgbaston? It's funny, like, when you go through all these teams, man, it's like, and, and, you know, someone always jumps out of the pack, but there does seem to be an awful lot of teams that are below their best. You know, South Africa, New Zealand, Sri Lanka. Pakistan. Outside of... And that's why Australia has to be a massive chance here. I mean, outside of England and India, is there another side that will that can win this World Cup? Like, my my looking at it is, it's pretty much a three horse race. Australia being one of them. Yeah, I agree. I've felt I've felt that for a month or so now. Which yeah. gives you a massive chance, doesn't it? You get yourself to a semi final, you're um you're a pretty good chance of winning a World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I think you. If someone, as you say, bursts out of the pack and can sneak into the semi-finals, you know we've seen England lose big games a lot before. So that's an element. You know they'll they'll do well. They get to the semi-finals, the pressure's on, and they could be bundled out. South Africa is another one who takes a huge history of choking into a knockout game, uh, whereas Australia takes a lot of confidence. The last World Cup, there was there was more. Strong sides, was there not? I mean, the India, very strong. South Africa, very strong. New Zealand, I suppose, did come out of the pack a little bit. Yeah, New Zealand were a good team. Um, pretty similar. England, England went, ter- England went way back in the pack. Yeah. They were playing an older brand of cricket, weren't they? Yeah. It's going to be a test, isn't it? Like that Australian brand of cricket that Australia are playing now against, what, what 12 months ago, it looked like the England brand of one-day cricket, that hell for leather, mm. was the way to play. Yeah. There's question marks about it now. Can it stand up? Yeah. You know, can you put pressure on it and make them crack, sort of restrict their scoring, take and, and make them second-guess themselves? Australia have yeah, definitely modelled their new-look approach more on India than they have England, haven't they? Mm. They, they tried. The original approach was the England approach That's with Chris right, Lynn yeah. and all those guys there. And Darcy it, Short. And it failed. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, 3-2, that series between Australia and India, not much between the teams. I mean, not much would have had to go India's way to close that series down. They were up 2-0. Mm. So, I mean, that that would be a great final, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that that would be yeah, that would be special. Well, that is your tour of England, Pete. I bet you are getting excited after going through that list. All right, listeners, we're going to take a very 
quick break and then we'll be back with the week of cricket headlines. I just want to remind you, if you want to find me or the show on social media, I'm at Amenas on Twitter and I'm on Instagram at Amenas Cricket. You can find the show at Oz Cricket Pod, AUS Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. All right, coming up after the break, the cricket headlines brought to you by The Daily Telegraph. How did Hazelwood look? Pretty interesting in him. Yeah, how did he go? Yeah, he was very impressive off his full run for the first time back. So, yeah, I think he's building up all the time and he's setting himself for that A the A stuff uh, with the lead up to the Ashes and things like that. So uh, for a guy bowling off the full run for the first time, his rhythm and his pace and shape was nice. Is he still on standby for the World Cup if something happens elsewhere or is he up just get him right for the Ashes? Uh, that's a good question. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Sorry. One of the highlights looked like Steve's knock on Wednesday. What did you make of that? What stood out about that for you? Oh, his, his timing and his class was, was back again. It was it was like he hadn't left. It was... It was these drives down the ground on a really difficult wicket to to time off the front foot was was so impressive. I think, and again, just the the amount of time he spent in the middle, the way that he was able to go through his, the batting gears was was very impressive. You walked out with Uzi and Dave this week. Yep. What's the difference walking out with anyone? Do you feel any different? Not no. really. No. no, no. There's not a huge amount of difference. To be fair, one I've known them both for the same amount of time, spent the most time. Uzi didn't invite me for dinner the other night to his place when a few other guys did. So. <laughs> costume. <laughs> You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. That was Aaron Finch speaking up in Brisbane before they flew out to the UK. I've got with me Ben Horn, Pete Lawler. Let's jump straight into the cricket headlines. As I said at the top of the show, the IPL was decided this morning. The Mumbai Indians won the, the IPL. It's their fourth title. They won by just one run. They beat the Chennai Super Kings it was a thrilling finish with Chennai needing two off the last ball to win. But Lathis Malinga got a wicket off the last ball and he won the game. And it was tremendous scenes in Hyderabad at the end of that game. And amazingly, it was the 20th match of the IPL that went down to the last ball. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it is. And what a great tournament it was. And Lasset Malinga had three overs, conceded 42 runs. He'd been taken downtown. In his previous over, Watson had hit him for three consecutive boundaries, I think. I think he went for a six, a one, four, four, three four. fours, yeah. and a four. Uh, he came into that last over. They didn't need many, did they? I think they needed 12 off it. They needed two off the last ball. Not only backed himself to bowl a Yorker, he bowled a slower Yorker. Completely bamboozled the batsman, who I can't remember. It was Thakua. Thakua, thank you. Got him LBW. Great finish. It's just, it's a red-hot tournament, the IPL. Mm. Uh, it, and, I mean, it, I guess it's luck to a degree, isn't it, that, that games go down to the wire. You can't manufacture that, but... It happened repeatedly in this tournament, and, I, and you can't help but compare it to the BBL, where it just did not happen for and the entire summer. In the know? news over the weekend from Crash and uh, Daniel Bredick that uh, AB won't be coming. So AB de Villiers has snubbed the BBL. He was going to. He was available for eight games. They were offering him three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I think it was Daniel that wrote that he he so he got uncomfortable because he thought they were hanging the whole tournament on his shoulders. And guess what? They were. Mm. <laughs> that was all. That was the. He was going to be the hood ornament of the B, of the pointy end of the BBL, mm. and for some reason he's not doing that. And that's a that's a massive knee in the. Um, 
is he not solar plexus to the BBL? Is that not his? Is he just maybe using this as a negotiation tactic? Well, gee, it's yeah. You feel really uncomfortable about him getting more than three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for eight games if you were everybody else in that tournament, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I I did a couple of stories on this topic, and you were leading the way, mate. Oh, and I, I genuinely feel that he was coming. Oh, I, I, he was talking to eight different teams, and it was down yeah, to five. And I don't, he was definitely locked. And I don't think it was a kind of exercise in trying to drive his price up or no. comparing it to somewhere. You know, should I play here or should I go here? Oh, I think he was genuinely looking at coming. So oh, he was. He was looking at commentary positions, the whole sort of package. Mm. You know, so it was a big deal. That's a massive blow, and it comes on oh, and same boat. The highest score in that. Shane Watson in that IPL final, he is another blow to mm. the BBL. Now, Shane's, Shane's pulled out of the BBL. When I spoke to him six weeks ago, he was very keen on playing the BBL. He's pulled out because it's it's too long. You know, he's kind of talked about, oh, it's in summer and I want to take the kids to school. It's too long and they weren't giving him enough money to play. So, you know, and what I, is, I reckon he's still got the star factor, hasn't he? He still plays some amazing tournaments. Well, I mean, the is, as you said, this is yeah. the final um, of of the IPL, yeah, and he almost got his team home. I mean, he is he's phenomenal. Like, I mean, he hasn't really he, he didn't have the best. No, BBL. he had a rough tournament. He came good toward the end, didn't he? But yeah, but, but he had a great PSL. Yeah, and he is just yeah. an amazing. He's a big game white ball too. cricketer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just, yeah, amazing. and you need someone like Shane Watson in the BBL. Yeah, but. Uh, someone like Shane Watson is not willing to do that much work for that little money. Yeah. And you watch, he'll show up in Bangladesh. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. less of a blow to the BBL if this was Shane Watson hanging the boots up for for good. But he's but not. He's no. not. He'll be in the IPL next year, I think. Uh, I think he's got one more year over there at least. He's still getting paid over a million dollars to be in the IPL, as, proved, as he should. Yeah, as he should. You know, yeah, and exactly. I mean, Bangladesh, these other smaller tournaments. Um, Rob Forsyth wrote a story the other week saying that he's going to go play in this Euro League in uh, Scotland and I want to the cover that. It looks amazing, the Euro T20 Championships. I used to live in Amsterdam, so I could go back there and cover cricket. Yeah. It might so, be a bit foggy, but... So there is something, yeah, that that is concerning for the BBL that... He, you know, he wants he wants to still keep playing cricket, but he doesn't want to play the BBL. Yeah, his home tournament, which you you think that he would have some connections to, but uh... oh, the Players Association have done a lot for the BBL over the weekend. They've let now clubs uh, what sign extra international players for the summer, so each big bash club can sign six international players to rotate in but only two at one time only two at once i mean it's like yeah i agree give let them play as many international players as they yeah want. Well, well within reason but I mean, you do need to be wary of the distorting effects of you know an ab like the bbl is so desperate mm. to have something shiny that it's just you know it's going to drop its trousers for ab to viewers to mm. make a cameo appearance mm. it's kind of got to get a lot of other people's noses out of joint mm. you know they're already they're getting minuscule pay rises over four mm. years for the bbl and and asked to contribute a lot more and they're not happy about it yeah to me um the salary cap it, it needed urgent attention i mean it does, it does, does. doesn't it yeah, yeah. and yeah. i mean they've they're making these other changes to Jazz it up, you know, trying to get more games in the school holidays and uh, change the final system and all that. That's all well and good. Australia Day tournament, isn't it? You need the players. Like any business, you operate in the market in which you were in. 
Mm. And the T20 market has set the prices now in all these tournaments. So it's weird for Cricket Australia and the Big Bash organisers to think they can continue to run the tournament with the, the salary cap that they have and expect to have the sort of quality that other tournaments have. And that's, I mean, I understand to a large degree why they have wanted to increase the number of games because, you know, you've got a, you're onto a winner, all that sort of thing, make it last longer. But it evens the, up the sort of home and away round. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. But the reality of it was that the, the unique thing that they did have going for them was the shorter tournament. And, you know, we are offering less money, but it's a short, sharp tournament, and, and it worked. But In the greatest not, country in the world. But if you're not going to um, increase the salary cap by a significant amount, then just in, doubling the length of the tournament or whatever they've done is, it's sort of hard to see how that was going to work. No, and, and talking to a couple of clubs in the last few weeks, they're all saying, uh, just can't get a bite from international players. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a major it's a major concern, really. I mean, well, the look, only possible solution is to clear it and let the Austra- Aussie players play, which, which to a large degree to will happen. I mean, this disaster of them going to India is going to impact. But my understanding, you may know more, but my understanding is they won't be in India for any more than two weeks. It's going to be a very short, and they'll probably have two weeks in the Big Bash when they come back. You know, I think it's only three more days out of their schedule than they would have if they played the ODIs against yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, is that possible? Yeah. yeah. And so it's only three matches. And did you see be Kevin Roberts and Earl Eddings at the IPL final? Did you see that, Pete? That was no, I didn't there. see that. I only tuned in the last hour. That's yeah, they flew over on Thursday, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, my understanding is the Sydney Sixers, for example, are working very hard at getting Steve Smith and possibly Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark to play in the BBL. And I suppose if you're not going to get the international players, that's that's the next best result. But yeah, you know, Warner doesn't have a contract with anyone, does he? They'll be queuing up to sign him, though. All right, well, that's the cricket headlines, and that's this edition of Cricket Unfiltered, done and dusted. It's two episodes this week. I released an interview with Marnus Lobeshane, and uh, got this lovely catch-up with Pete before he goes away. Pete, have a great time in England. Hope those poms don't drive you mad. No, I like the English. I'm actually what, looking... You like the misery that they bring to life? They're all right. Yeah, you just no. walk into a shop there and you say hello to the shopkeeper and they just look at you with this stone faceness. Like, what are you so happy about to say hello? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like England. I really love England it's in the summer. It's great fun. Cricket. And I, I like the English cricket rides. They're all they're good fellas, good fun. It's always entertaining. Good women. So it'll be fun. Colo and Lemo and all those people, they'll be waiting over there for us. The expat Aussies, Melinda Farrell. Mm. Who else is going over this year? From the we shouldn't be advertising all the other people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, we don't know who's going over for the competition. If they're even bothering to send someone over, but Pete's going. Sam Landsberg is going. Cricket Unfiltered is going to have unprecedented coverage of the World Cup. Someone's waiting for this podcast studio. So, listeners, that's it. Back soon. 